What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Jake Goldberg breaking down the AL West. We go through all five teams, the Astros, the A's, the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Angels. We break them all down. This one was a lot of fun to record. We recorded this on Friday night during March Madness. So you might hear us talk about the Princeton game. That's when we recorded this, dropping this Monday morning. But wanted to give you that heads up. Again, a lot of fun to record. Always a blast to have Jake on the show. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Opening day is this week. We have a couple good ideas to get out the final division previews. So you want to be subscribed. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram, ThunderBLG on Twitter. But enjoy the episode. We are right around the corner from opening day. The Masters spring is here. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode, or today's, because we did one yesterday. This episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. That's right, two days in a row, we are back doing another division, another American League division, the AL West, and I am excited to welcome back on the legend himself. We get the one Berkshire legend a lot, Greg Piatelli, but we get the other one. Mr. Jacob Jeffrey Goldberg. JJ, welcome back. How are you? Doing well. Doing well, G-Man. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Pumped to have you on. (laughs) Obviously, Mr. Mets fan. But we're having you on because you want to do something crazy for the division previews like the AL West. So we are here to talk about it. And I'm pretty pumped to talk about this. Obviously, some... uh, Bitter feelings towards one of the teams in this division. But, you know, we try to remain objective. You might have some more positive feelings because of the pain it caused me. But, you know, that's that's hearsay here. We're going to remain objective, right? Yeah, you try to. But, mm, I mean, it's a roller coaster of emotions when you think about this team. (laughs) Well, so, yesterday, AL Central, we... Had the AI bot break down the division for us, Jake. And I think you'd be interested in hearing what the Google AI bot has to say about the AL West. You want me to read it to you? I'd love to hear it. All right. So the AL West is expected to be a competitive division with the Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers, and Athletics all vying for a spot in the postseason. The Astros are the defending division champs and are favorites to win the division again. They have a strong lineup that includes Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez. They also have a strong pitching staff that is anchored, emphasis on anchored, Jake, by Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez. Hmm. <laughs> a little outdated, no? Yeah, the uh, the Mets fan reaction to uh, the Google bot. Anyway, the Mariners are coming off a season in which they made the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. They have a young and talented roster that includes Julio Rodriguez, Logan Gilbert, and Robbie Ray. They also have a strong bullpen that is anchored by Ken Giles and Diego Castillo. 
the Angels are a team that has a lot of potential, but they have not been able to put it together in recent years. Googlebot getting something right. They also yeah. they have a talented roster that includes Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and Anthony Rendon. They also have a strong pitching staff that is anchored by Noah Syndergaard and Patrick Sandoval. Another one that's a little outdated. The Rangers are a team that are in the midst of a rebuild, but they have some young talent on the roster. They have a young core of, of players, emphasis on young, that includes Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, and Marcus Simeon. Again, emphasis on young there. They also have a strong bullpen that's anchored by Joe Barlow and Dennis Santana. The Athletics are a team that is in the midst of a rebuild. Same opening line for the Rangers and the Athletics. But they also have young some young talent on the roster. Again, same second sentence. They have a core, a young core of players that includes Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, and Ramon Lariano. Two of those players now play in Atlanta. They also have a strong bullpen that is anchored by Danny Jimenez and Lou Trevino. And that's why we're doing this, right? Can't trust the uh, the AI bot to give you the AOS preview. Yeah. Um, exactly the same as yesterday when it said that Carlos Correa played for the Cleveland Guardians. The Google AI bot teaches us some stuff we don't even realize has happened yet. That Verlander is back <laughs> on the Astros. That Matt Olson and Sean Murphy decided to come back to Oakland. Really great stuff here. But, Jake, when you look at this division, obviously you are a Mets fan, but when you look at this division, what do you see coming into the 2023 season? I see hope for the Angels. That's all you got to do is sit there and say the two best players in the world, you got to hope that they actually make a postseason. Yeah, that's all you can you can sit here and say. And then Houston, I mean, yes, very mixed emotions. Still, to me, they are the uh, the cheaters of the baseball world. Should be blackballed forever. But on the positive side, uh, you know, they they did do some damage last year. Yeah, they did. They did uh, a lot of emotional damage to at least half of the show. But you're right. Um, you know, a team that comes in with a lot of expectations, coming off a World Series run. You know, and, and just kind of similar to a team that's been the bane of our existence for both of us our entire lives. Just a team that finds a lot of players and figures out how to correctly use them. And not even just the the Altuves who, to also correct the AI bot, who is starting the season with a broken hand. But the Altuves, the Bregmans, that whole model, you know, we talked about a little bit last night with Brady of... The Royals tried. The Royals and White Sox tried to mimic this type of you know way of building a team, and the Royals did it successfully in 2015. Haven't been able to replicate it. The White Sox just haven't been able to do it. The Royals or the Astros, though, a team that still finds ways to not even through tanking, but just finds ways to develop guys so well. Obviously, Chas McCormick made the. Incredible catch this is Bank Park last year in the World Series. Jake, do you know what round he was picked in? I do not. This might make you smile as a Mets fan with Mike Piazza, but he was a 21st rounder. Drafted 631st overall in 2017. At that point, you got to call it dumb luck, right? I guess so. But still, 
guy is very good. But this, this team, they have guys like that. They have guys like Jeremy Pena, who obviously, you know, shined in the second half of the year last year, shined in the postseason. And, like, they still have those guys like Kyle Tucker, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, who have been around for been around the block for a little bit. And then they go and add Jose Abreu. This is a team that, frankly, is just poised to do very much of the same. Would you agree? Completely. Completely. I don't know who's going to step in their way. Like I said, I'm hoping for that the Angels could do some damage, but we can get to them later. Uh, but, yeah, they, they've reloaded. They lose, uh, they lose Verlander, but they've reloaded the bats. No problem there whatsoever. And they're coming off a World Series uh, victory, right? So yeah. where did they get worse besides maybe a few, like a starting pitcher? That's about it. Arguably no, too. Like Verlander had the the blown lead in the first game of the World Series. He, he did better in the second one. But even going into that World Series, it was, you know, Verlander doesn't pitch well in the World Series. That whole narrative to it that he bucked in game five. But... Yeah. You know, you still have Valdez, you still have Javier, you still have Urquidy, and you're adding guys that are not even adding, but just having players that should still do really well, like Luis Garcia, who had, who had a pretty good year last year, and then this guy Hunter Brown, who is their number one ranked prospect a year ago, and probably is going to be your fifth starter, and like seeing how that goes. And, you know, they, they didn't really lose anything in their bullpen. It's still a really good back end, so... You know, like you said, there's hope for other teams in this division, whether it's in the Pacific Northwest or somewhere in uh, in Hollywood. But, you know, Houston still is the team to beat, and rightfully so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, they, you know, hearing Brady yesterday as well talk about it, uh, they did a constructive rebuild. They tore everything down, what? five, six years ago. Remember how bad Houston was? Might have even been longer than that. It was longer than and, 10 uh, years ago. And 10 years ago. It was yeah. nine years ago that had the, the fateful 2017 World Series champion Sports Illustrated yeah. cover. And they finally came back around to win it last year. As much as it pains me with you know, beating the Phillies, you know, everything with the cheating, it's still impressive that they were able to still find different ways through all of these different penalties that they've had to do whether it's for the the sign stealing scandal remember there was like some sort of cyber hack thing that the astros also had like no there was some it was them and the cardinals it was one cheated off the other it was a very weird situation but like they still were able to to come back and do and you know win this whole thing and you know hats off to them but it's pretty crazy to see like they have altuve and michael brantley on the IL to start the year. And, you know, it's there. It's going to be business as usual. This is a team that figures out different ways. I always make the comparison with the, the Cardinals that they find dudes from fucking rib joints in St. Louis. Houston <laughs> might as well do the same thing with, with fucking barbecue places. It's crazy how great their homegrown talent is. It's impressive. I random thought here talking about Jose Altuve. Uh, does he not remind you a little bit of a uh, Brad Marchand cross sport, you know, such an amazing player, but uh, doesn't bring out the best emotions in people. That's actually a really good comparison. And they're both small. I think that's, that's part of the reason I'm thinking about. Do we need a movie poster type freeze frame from uh, last night to really time date the podcast of a uh, 
Marshawn beating the shit out of that dude on the Habs. We need a Jose Altuve beating the shit out of some like maybe beating you know you know how they always make fun of him with the Aaron Judge picture like maybe like that picture but superimpose Altuve <laughs> and Aaron Judge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll make it happen. I mean, uh, I'll get to a bot right now. <laughs> yeah, Google AI bot. Let's let's get on this. It ends up being... Like it. Ends yeah, up they're going to show like the wrong picture. Irish hurling player or something. This is a Jose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a Jose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not we're not trying to quickly skip over the Astros because, you know, what they were able to do last year, obviously winning the World Series and really not much has changed for this team. You know, it's it's tough to really give them even more flowers than they already have being the defending World Series champion, but they're, they're a very good team and they're going to be really good again. And as we dive into this, into this division more, maybe we can try to convince you otherwise, but when you start off with the defending World Series champion, because we go city by city, it's hard not to start to start on a very positive note. Yeah, yeah. Lucky that uh, it's it's the first. Yeah, pretty lucky to start there, and then um, yeah. I don't know if you want to go to the next one. I find that one interesting as well. Yeah, the next one is one? is the Las Vegas Angel or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of California of America of which America North America, but the Angels, obviously, we talked about it a little bit last night. They had their biggest moment in nearly 10 years. They haven't made the playoffs since 2014. And they had their two best players facing each other in the World Baseball Classic. Now, Jake, before we dive into the Angels, how are you, a Mets fan, feeling about that moment in the World World Baseball Classic in general? About the entire World Baseball Classic, I'm still reeling a little bit about uh, Mr. Diaz. Um, But it was, I mean, that's what baseball is all about, right? That, That was so cool. And, uh, you know, I wish the U.S. could get the win, but I think it proved that it, sh- it should be here to stay and should be. I just don't love the timing of it. I'm not sure about you, G. Like, you like this timing, kind of a preseason. Guys aren't throwing, uh, you know, they're on a pitch count. They're not throwing the hardest. And I kind of wish it was a little bit longer of a tournament, too. That's like baseball is not supposed to be played over a one week time frame or 10 day time frame. It's supposed to be a little bit more of a marathon. Yeah, the the time frame of it, both when the tournament's being held, I've gone back and forth of whether or not should it be a postseason thing, should it be a midseason thing. You know that I feel like that there's merits to any of those arguments of like hockey's World Championships, right, are held during the NHL playoffs. So like, if a team's eliminated early enough, like those guys go over. Like I don't want to necessarily see that of like we're playing Game Five of the World Series and like the U.S. is playing Canada. So, like, we have to miss, you know, some guys might have to miss it because they're in the World Series or because they just finished the NL or ALCS and decided, like, you know what, I'm not going to play in this thing. But also, like, the idea of saying instead of the All-Star break or during the All-Star break, like, extend it out, do a every couple years NHL-style break like they do for the Olympics. Like, that, that could have some merit to it, and I feel like that's worth exploring. Like, especially because, like, baseball has such a... Obviously, last year not included because of the lockout and obviously COVID as well over the last couple of years. But, like, they've had such a attempt to try not to be in November. It's, it's tough to be like, all right, well, then we're going to start 
the regular season on March 15th because we wanted to do the World Baseball Classic this year. Like, I don't follow soccer that closely, but I know a lot of soccer fans who were annoyed that the Premier League started early because of the World Cup being in November. So, like, is that the answer? I don't know. To your point, though, about the length of the tournament, we talked about it a little bit last night of pick a site, pick any site. Like, there's a bunch of teams that play in domes that aren't spring training sites that you can use Houston, you could use Arlington. I mean, you could even still use Chase Field. But, like, I don't know. You don't need to have, like, as cool as the Japan stuff was, I'm still not waking up at 6 a.m. to watch Japan host it. Unless the whole tournament's in Japan, in which case I'm like, all right, I'm going to wake up and watch this U.S. game. Like, just like in the Sochi Olympics where, like, the U.S. is playing at 9 a.m. and all that sort of stuff. And I'm using that because it's the last time the NHL players went there. But to your point of the length of time, it really is that. Because you can, you know, there was all the stuff coming out about Trout and being like, oh, he's a bum. Of course, he struck out, blah, 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 blah. But, like, baseball is a sport that there's a reason why... 162 games has worked and why we over the last close to when, when did they go do it? It was 61 when Maris did it, when it was still a, it was still a controversy. So it's been over 60 years that they decided to go from 154 to 162. But like, there's a reason why we've stuck with that and why other leagues have either decided to add more games. Some, the NHL did 84 one year and then went back to 82. Like baseball is stuck with that for a certain reason. That's because, the law of our the law of large averages usually wins out on it. So like if a guy's in a really good streak, i.e. Trey Turner hitting a ton of home runs, like you know it could have easily been the reverse too. If Trey Turner doesn't he, doesn't hit a ton of home runs as well, and Mike Trout's the hero, that's the reason why they get out of the quarterfinal round and all that kind of stuff. So like I don't know there is there is something to it of like do you try to do the soccer route of like we're going to have every third Monday be world baseball classic like type of qualifier. And we're going to have the final be on like on labor day or something like that. Like there's some like interesting ideas here of like, you always hear about Adam Silver being like, well, soccer is a pretty good model of what they do for this, that, and the other thing. Like does baseball need to try to steal some of that for international play. Maybe. And it's kind of a dumb idea. It's a real Mike Greenberg dumb rule type of thing, but I don't know. It's, there is some way of of trying to mix the two together and making it making it work because they're like clearly all these players love playing in this type of th- in this type of environment but the spring training aspect th- there is something to be massaged through it yeah for sure and maybe it is starting uh either starting a little bit later more condensed or i mean the NHL plans for it when the olympics are coming yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very impressed, by the way, with all these uh, soccer teams. Like, we barely even noticed that the World Cup was was in December. Uh, not my favorite, but, like, the fact that logistically they made it work is pretty impressive. It was very impressive, and it was also kind of similar to some of the key dates of the World Baseball Classic, strategically targeted that – the U.S. happened to play England the day after Thanksgiving when most people are off of work and that kind of stuff. And the U.S. always happened to play at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Like, there was some ideas of that. One of my friends said that about uh, about Formula One now that Drive to Survive has become so big of, like, it's kind of funny that, that 
a lot of these Formula One races start at like 10 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. now, huh? Like that kind of thing. So like there is a international intrigue within the United States for international sports, whether it be, you know, best on best country versus country or just be a sport on another continent altogether. But I don't know. There is something there's something there that can be molded and figured out to make this tournament even better. Cause it's something I said this to Brady last night, like you and I are the perfect age of that. We were seven. The first time the NHL players went to the Olympics, the dream team, like we're both too young to remember 92, but like the dream team is something we always heard about. And the redeem team, like really meant something like we watched that game together in 2008 yep. and they won the gold oh, medal. Yeah. And like that team meant like a lot to us of, why that was so important and like all the different u.s attempts at the world cup like if they ever do like actually contend for one it would be it would be pretty nuts but like in our adolescent years seeing them be around in in that type of thing any other times basketball has been really good but like i don't know there's there's something about like them when they announced the world baseball classic my freshman year in high school and it's i don't know maybe it's nostalgia maybe it's whatever but it's it's fun to see that and now especially like japan has always been pretty good. They've won three World Baseball Classics. But, like, having guys that are in Major League Baseball that are household names, like you, Darvish, like you, Otani, and, like, you know, seeing all the effects in the past couple of days for Lars Newtbar, a guy who, frankly, the only reason why I knew who he was is because he was a DFS darling last year because he was just a cheap shortstop slash second baseman type of player. But now he, you know, his social media, whatever, however you want to take that into account, it's skyrocketed and it's pretty cool to see. That's a, uh, that's a good take. It's a good take. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's going to become even bigger and better. Um, once they figure out, I, I, that's actually a good point. I don't know if I love that they played in Japan. Pretty cool for Japan or maybe the entire tournament in Japan. As yeah, well. exactly. Like rotated. Movie. If it's at, they're going to go back. I don't know if they're actually going back to every three years. Like the next one's in 2026, but like maybe that's because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Because like that's why it was six years ago was the last tournament. But I don't know. Like maybe rotate. Like Japan hosts one, we host one. But even just the idea of group play being in different stage, being in different places, is kind of a ridiculous idea. Like at least do two halves of the tournament in the same place so that you get like some sort of rivalry or like two giant groups that end up going to the semifinals kind of thing. I don't know. Like there's something to figure out there. Something to figure out, but they made the most of what they had to work with this year. And it was storybook, you know, up until the very, very end, but that was, it was a pretty cool moment. You're right. That's probably the highlight of the angels right now. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, like imagine if they were on the same team type of memes. And I don't know. It's, I made the joke of Kyle Freeland striking out Shohei Otani earlier in the game of like, that's the Rockies highlight and that kind of stuff. But like, (laughs) it is something to be said of, this is a team that's for now, their ninth straight year are trying to go back to the playoffs. Mike Trout's literally only played three games in the playoffs. Shohei Otani's never played in them. He literally is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. And, you know, all of this different noise surrounding where will he go, where will he be, 
And, you know, it's kind of crazy that this is probably their last dance. Mike Trout obviously signed a mega deal. He's staying in, in Anaheim, Los Angeles, whatever the hell you want to call it, for a, a long time. And, you know, surrounding him are an aging Anthony Rendon, a Hunter Renfro who, you know, you got him from the Brewers and, you know, not necessarily, like, he might hit a bunch of home runs, but not necessarily, like, the the biggest piece to add to your lineup. Same thing with Brandon Drury, like, a guy that was, you know, platoon guy on the, the Padres last year. Like, just guys that, like, might mash some dingers, but not necessarily, like, getting on base and trying to figure out if these are the kind of guys that are going to... Like, are they going to be home run dependent or are they actually going to try to play some some small ball? Because not to completely piggyback back off our Houston takes, but their pitching is really good. So seeing and like, so seeing what they have to deal with in this division, and you don't have to play your division 19 times like you used to, but it's still, I don't know, there's some concerns there. There's obviously health concerns for a Mike Trout type player. Not Mike Trout type player. For Mike Trout. But like, I don't know. Like, is it is it as simple of a take as this team is going to go as far as Mike Trout stays healthy? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he's. I wouldn't say that, right? Because he's had MVP historical years in the past nine years. Yeah. Right, and they still don't even come close to the playoffs. So it's it's just finding the guys, finding the, the rest of the pieces. Because uh, he can have as good a year, which we've seen a- as ever historically, and they'll still find a way to lose. So I don't know if it's all dependent on uh, Trout's health. Well, what's crazy too is that outside of Otani, you have Patrick Sandoval, who a pretty good pitcher, not necessarily the best, but pretty good, and then the rest of that that rotation and pitching staff just not really that great they signed Tyler Anderson who played for the Dodgers last year I don't he's not really adding much Reed Detmers is still hanging out there Jose Suarez as well just like guys that have never really had very good ERAs that don't strike out a ton of dudes they don't need a lot of innings there's just a lot of a lot of ant to it and like the back end of their bullpen, like they signed Carlos Estevez and like, he just, he doesn't do it. It's just, it's tough how this team decides they're going to try to like build, like build a team around Mike Trout and they just completely neglect pitching. It's kind of crazy to think that. And I really just don't know how this team can seriously make noise when you're a assuming Mike Trout and Shohei Otani stay healthy and are batting every day. And that's what I mean on the, the Otani forefront is that he's staying as the DH every day and that he doesn't have any sort of arm trouble or anything. And like, you know, obviously last year he had a really good year two years ago as well. So like maybe that take is a little, you know, I'm, I'm piggybacking on the trout staying healthy stuff, but like, are you really expecting this team? Like looking at projected numbers and projections are bullshit. And I understand that. But like you've th- like Fangraphs has three different guys hitting thirty home runs for this team: Trout, Otani, and Renfro. And like, are we really gonna sit here and expect to see that out of out of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? No, I don't think so. 
No, I don't think so. I don't think I, I think that'd probably be a good bet to say no. Yeah, like you said yesterday. It absolutely you, can, is. you can buy a put on that, I I'd do it. I would as well. I would love to buy a put on that. Granted, the uh the premium's probably real shit to or pretty high <laughs> to buy it, but uh enough enough financial talk. We'll get to the projections for this team, but I think we're kind of on the same page here. It's worth noting Logan O'Hoppy, favorite to win the AL Rookie of the Year. Obviously, he was a big part of that double trade between the Phillies and the and, and the Angels to get Brandon Marsh and Noah Syndergaard, who apparently is back anchoring the team. Um, although, in reality, for those that aren't following the joke, Noah Syndergaard actually sent with the Dodgers. But um, he he is a highly touted catching prospect. A lot of... Philly's Twitter was pretty sad to see him go. Uh, I'd love to see him do really well here. Obviously, Mickey Moniak was another part of that trade and, you know, not on the projected opening day roster. Um, so, Ohapi, we'll see how he does and we'll see where, you know, he ends up going. If he ends up winning Rookie of the Year, great for him. But continuing to move on, we, we go. Uh, we stay in California. And I don't mean to laugh, but uh, Jake, not. the Oakland Athletics, which Hot might take it. I mean, are we just waiting for them to go to Vegas or? Yes, that was the that was the joke I was going to make of. Uh, I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago of about the Oakland A's and where they're sitting. Um, projected to lose 100, 102 games, which. You don't really see a lot of triple-digit projections in baseball. Um, but Oakland's there. And I was talking to a friend of quite literally the Oakland A's being the real-life version of Major League, of a yes. team that the owner literally is just filling the team with a bunch of nobodies and has-beens and is trying to move the team to a city that may or may not in a few years have an, an expansion team. Quite literally, like, in Major League, that they were trying to move the team to Miami. The Marlins become a team yep. a couple years later. Not a lot going on with what the A's were doing. They made some free agent signings. That's something to note. They signed Jesus Aguilar. There, there's a signing. They actually spent some money. Comparatively to the zero dollars they spent a year ago. And what are the chances that they move him before the deadline? Um, well, it depends on how he does. That's a big part of it. Of a guy who had an incredible run like six years ago and very quickly fell off the table in that same season. Um... Yeah, I I think the chances are pretty low. I mean, R Ramon Lariano, the guy that uh, was a part of the three players that anchor the roster the, of young guys. Uh, Ramon Lariano, <laughs> by the way, is 28. Um, maybe he ends up getting moved. Maybe Seth Brown gets moved. Seth Brown is 30. And, you know, there might be some teams looking for first baseman out there. Um, a certain one lost theirs the other day, but I, I don't know necessarily if I, I want Seth Brown, especially another left-handed first baseman. Um, 
the the general eye, not not a specific team out there. But um, yeah, there. Anybody that's it's it's the same thing that you think of when you're drafting a fantasy football team of like. There's a player on a team that you know is going to win three games. Just don't touch him. Same thing with the A's. There's a lot of guys out here. Just not worth touching upon of like, do we, do we need to break down the back half of the lineup because they have Jock Peterson's brother, Jace? No, we absolutely don't. This team is not good. It's crazy how they've kind of melded their way into having different players of different calibers and, I don't know. Hundred games seems like a a worthy projection for this team. Yeah, I mean, it's overall, it's hard to believe that any team can lose a hundred games. I mean, like, it, it's a hard thing to do. It doesn't happen um, as often as projections think that they will. Sure. But I, the A's are still. They're going to find a way to at least make it competitive. I want to think that they will. If we're looking in actual major league like situation, which is pretty much a shot for shot, I really just hope they get a manager out of nowhere that works at a tire shop. Um, <laughs> that would make the, you know, maybe hire uh, get a few guys from jail. Um, but seriously, like I mean, they, they are California. Yeah, the California Penal League is is not California sure. Penal. Yeah, get some guys that are doing some voodoo, and I mean, at least they could get some characters on this team. Um, there's just a lot of, like you said, nobodies and, and has-beens. He wanted religious freedom. What religion does he practice? Voodoo. <laughs> Joe Boo. Joe Boo. Right. I say, fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. He does not like curveball. He likes he likes straight ball. <laughs> I actually like Serrano. And this is a hot take. I like Serrano in Major League 2. I thought he was hilarious. Oh, where he, where he becomes a Buddhist? Yeah, and he kills the bird. Oh, that's right. He kills the bird. And instead of running to first base, he runs to the outfield. Yeah, he's rounding <laughs> first base and headed for center field. <laughs> like, that movie's just out of control. I thought the second one was actually some, somewhat comparable to the first. It's somewhat comparable. Of- it's interesting. Major League Two, because they bring in, like, the fans. Like, Randy Quaid all of a sudden is, is a person in the movie like whereas like he was i don't even know if he's one of like the background fans in the first one in like some random extra role but he has the vile thing and all that and and the very end like the shut up lard mouth is is the payoff of that entire movie like you 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 deal with him like freaking out and having all of that and like that weird side plot for shut up lard mouth because it ends with that and the owner who's like you thought turned heel and be like, Oh, this fucking song again. Like the ending just pays off so well with like the Haywood stuff. And it, major, you're right. Major league two is underrated. I think because major league three sucked so much. Oh God. Can't even talk about it. Isn't there a major league four that was like direct to video or am I thinking of the, the random Sandlot sequels that they tried to make? The second Sandlot might've been the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's um, I didn't know if there's a hopefully there's not a third or fourth, um, but I don't know. It's tough to say who you would hate more. I know this conversation is going on a tangent, but who do you hate more, the owner or Jack Parkman? 
Oh, man. Oh, no, Clue Haywood's the first one. You're right. Jack Parkman's the second movie. Jack Parkman, what a dickbag. I mean, the guy immediately, you know he's going to be trouble at the start of Major League Two. Of he doesn't listen, all this kind of stuff with uh, with Jake Taylor. By the way, back to back Jake Taylor nights. We talked about yeah, the yeah, yeah. last night, but uh, you know, really giving giving a guy some shine. Um, made the Miguel, the Miguel Cabrera reference last night to would he be Jake Taylor in Major League Two? Um, yeah, it. You just knew he was going to be trouble, and I don't. In the second movie specifically. You got to go with Parkman, but I think overall you go with the owner. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Because the owner in the first one, she's just detestable throughout the entire movie of, like, she's trying to blow the team. There's all the stuff with, like, Serrano comes out and, like, the fucking, like, jockstrap and all that shit. of being like, there's no hot water and all, and all that kind of stuff. And... Like, she's really vile in the first movie. The second one, she's kind of... Obviously, this is a this is a terrible metaphor to use, but she's, she's kind of neutered at the start of the second one. Um, I guess kind of spayed, if we're going to go gender-specific. But um, yeah. then she comes back, and she's kind of... She's kind of throwing the fastball, and I feel like that's what they should have used her in the first movie, is, like, she's only there a little bit here and there. And when she comes in, it's really... She's throwing 95 in the black. Yeah, use her sparing. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But that's really good Oakland A's analysis. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Seattle Mariners, a team that shattered their playoff drought last year, Jake, and a team that's hoping to once again get back there. They got close. Like the Phillies, they got Jordan Alvarez. Jake, what are your expectations for this Seattle Mariners team in 2023? You know, I'm I'm expecting them. I want to say a little bit of a drop. I want to say they caught a little bit of fire last year. They do have some young guys, so I think there was a lot of hype around around those guys. And um, I, I think I don't think they're going to stay as hot as they were last year. Okay. Uh, I mean, they are a franchise that uh, traditionally doesn't want to spend that much money. So I'm impressed that they they built the rosters they have. Um, but they also had next to to zero injuries last year. Sure. So is that repeatable? Is a big question. That's a fair take. Some of the things that I would argue against it is they did make some moves to up their lineup. Like they add in a Colton Wong. They added a Teoscar Hernandez. But to your point, guys like Kalenic, guy that has been injured before, AJ Pollock, a guy they added in free agency. Um, you know, he he's had problems in the past with injuries. Um, J.P. Crawford, a guy they've had for a number of years now, but he had injuries out the wazoo with the Phillies, um, and even a little bit with with the the Mariners. So, like, if these guys, and especially in their in their pitching rotation, like a Castillo or a Robbie Ray, like guys, they're now really what I'm 
Yeah, exactly. Guys that are now eclipsing 30, like, if they can stay healthy and they their rotation stays where it was, I'm going to put it that way, you're right. It can be poised to do to go on a you know a nice successful run, but if there's any injuries, it, there is a source for panic. Yeah, they 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 can teeter. I'm looking at their older pitchers and saying I'm not sold that Robbie Ray is an anchor, as the AI bot would say, um, whatsoever. He's you know to me an average pitcher. A little he's above average, but he can get hurt. Luis Castillo can get hurt. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's not like they're that deep. They got some great bats in this team. There's nothing else you can say about, uh, about the lineup. You're right. They added bats and their pitching rotation to me is a little shallow. Oh, uh, shallow, is, shallow is being nice. The back <laughs> end of the rotation is not good. Marco Gonzalez and George Kirby. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I mean, let's let's take a look at the statistics of the past year for the two of them. It's not great. And there's some projections. Again, projections are bullshit, but that might say otherwise. But, like, I don't know. Marco Gonzalez, 4.31 or 4.13 ERA. George Kirby it was in the mid threes. The guy pitched 130 innings with 133 strikeouts, like, that's not great for a guy that started 25 games. Like, is he starting the full year? Where are we getting to there? Marco Gonzalez, ground ball pitcher. Opponent's batting average of 270. Like, that's not the numbers that you want to expect, especially on, like, the back end of having playoff success. And maybe it looks decent throughout a season. Like, again, I harped on this a lot last night with the AL Central, but, like, have, getting to face, not even having to face, getting to face all 30 teams in baseball probably helps a lot of these teams, especially in this division. You don't have to play the Astros next extra six times, which for a starting pitcher might be one or two more starts. But it's, I don't know, it, it, I still am not sold on it. And to your point of Robbie Ray, he started all 32 games last year that he could. Is he going to do that again? He's another year older. The guy had a three seven three seven one ERA coming off of a Cy Young a couple years ago. Are we thinking that he's gonna do that again? Like another two hundred strikeout year? I hope so. He's a fun pitcher to to watch and root for, but I just can't believe it. A quick note here: I don't know if this is a real stat, but I think Robbie Ray might have the tightest jersey of any starting pitcher in the league. By the way. That's a uh, that's a good one to to research. We'll 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 send some of our uh, unofficial interns in on that. Of send some scouts out there. Yeah, some scouts on that. Are we talking just just torso? Or are we talking uh, behind as Sleeve. well? It's really the sleeves. It's the arms for Robbie Ray. Oh, that's like, a good call. Is, it's tight. No, I'm that's not really. No, I'm not call. looking below the belt. Not looking below the belt. Yeah, below not the going. belt. I know, at least from my friends' comments, Jake Arrieta is tough to beat. Obviously, he does, he's retired, so we need a new uh, king of the behind in Major League Baseball. But You know, he, he doesn't get a lot of love because he is, I mean, if you're just talking pitchers, but, uh, and maybe because I see him all the time, but Vladdy Guerrero oh, has yeah. 
it's it's out of this world. I'm like, what? I mean, he's a chonky boy. <laughs> he's a chonky boy. And he he treats the baseball as such. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's usually a. Uh, uh, Talk radio on in Toronto talks about his weight way more often than it should. He, um, I swear to God, I met a guy from Toronto uh, when he was making his major league debut. Who all he could talk about was how big he was. Like, oh, he might not be able to play the whole season. He's too fat. I was like, I don't know, man. His dad played major league baseball. He probably has an idea of how to fucking stay healthy throughout a one hundred sixty-two game season. Is there something to this though? When we look at like a Prince Fielder and his dad's, you know, playing and. Like, is there a reason? Because it's not like his dad, uh, Vladdy's dad, was a big dude. No, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. Yeah. Was not a big guy. And obviously was an electric player himself. And was more well-known for hitting baseballs that were... Obviously, he matched the baseball, but of random attributes to him. Not just the power that both of them can be attributed to. Um was well known for hitting balls that bounced off the dirt. He was a golfer. Yeah, he was. I mean, literally. I'd love to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Sr. in a like a long drive type of thing, a Happy Gilmore type of a long drive <laughs> contest that Shooter McGavin wanted him to do. But um, yeah, the, no, maybe you're on to something. That yeah, the juniors that are a little you know a little pudgier. Maybe they wanted to really zag away from Ken Griffey Jr., like peak athlete that just had the purest swing. Maybe they want to be like, hey, you know what? Not all of us, uh, you know, juniors got to be, you know, jacked out guy. That fit all shapes and shit, the sizes. Right but then you go to here. you go to jump back to the Jays quickly, just because it's it's who I see is. Um, I think Bichette's dad played. He's he did. tiny. Yep. And who am I thinking of? Craig, uh, Craig Biggio. Biggio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malvin Biggio. He is tiny, like, or skinny. He's not that yeah, like, he, tiny. Yeah, he, what is he, like, he's like our, or, yeah, he's like yeah, our height? Yeah, he's probably our height, um, but, you know, buck, probably buck 70, pure muscle, but he just looks like a skinny guy. So, I don't know. Maybe our theory isn't really working out with Sons of MLBers being big boys. Yeah, I guess Biggio throws it out there. I was about to say like Bichette's dad, not not as well known, but Craig Biggio. It's it's hard, at least for guys our age, to not remember Craig Biggio. He was a fucking legend. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Anyway, I mean, he got hit by the most pitches, right? Then Biggio. You're right. I think I think he does still hold that record. Like by by a mile. By a mile. I was thinking more of uh, the his he was a wizard with his glove and eliminating the Phillies when the wild card was still one spot and the the Astros ended up going all the way to the World Series and losing to the uh, to the White Sox in two thousand five back when the Astros were still in the NL but um yeah anyway the the Mariners I don't know the, their rotation isn't great but their the back end of their bullpen is still pretty good. I think that's probably the best way to put it, but I guess it's can they can they repeat what they had last year in terms of solid play from guys almost on show-me type of contracts. I don't know. Is that the best way to, to put it? Yeah, it's not a – you're not wrong. That's, that's probably a good way to put it. I mean, my question to you is 
and you have to put the disclaimer out there and say uh, projections are bullshit. But what do you have on fan graphs here about so 85, 77, just over 500? Do you see them eclipsing that or do you see them? I mean, they're not winning 90 games. I agree with fan graphs in that way. They're not winning 90 games again. But do you think they, they're over 500? I think the Mariners are over 500. I think that's probably the best way to put it. But kind of going back to what Brady and I were talking about at the end of the AL Central podcast of there's so many unknowns with the new rules and having to play all 30 teams. that There is the possibility of some surprises going out there, especially with the back end of their rotation. Like if they get unfortunately lined up, that that has to go to insert a middle of the road NL squad on the road like that. You, you, they might not be a good road team because of that. And like, because it's not a ballpark they're used to going to or whatever the fact might be. And that's not the most analytically charged answer, but there is something to that. And I don't know, like we were a little bullish on the, on the angels and like what they might be able to do, especially with, and maybe it's World Baseball Classic bias of seeing, like, what Otani and Trout were able to do. But I don't know, like, seeing what this team can do, like, the, the Fangraphs projections I'm seeing is has has them 16 games beyond the Astros. Like, I don't hate that projection as much as I think projections are bullshit. But, like, it's really hard for me to think that they're going to make serious divisional noise coming down the stretch like they're they're going to be in a similar situation they've been in the last couple of years where two years ago there was a potential one game 163 last year they made the playoffs and you know it's probably going to be similar to that yeah i i mean there's such a big spread between the the second and third right now or at least there was last year and there probably will be again that the, all that's all the mariners can hope for is a wild card spot uh, maybe somehow ch- challenge the Astros, but it's not like they're going to go that far below 500 where they're they're not going to come in second in the in the division. Yeah. So you know they're going to be. It's a good point about the new rules, and I know that's like a big topic. Is how will this affect each team? How is somebody going to find a loophole? Is it base stealing? Is it this or that? Like, what is it going to be that's really going to that somebody's going to find a loophole? It's a I'm hoping somebody starts stealing bases like crazy again. Um, and maybe the Mariners, like, without really looking at their uh, – they have nobody that has crazy speed. I mean, Julio led their team, which I don't think he'll yeah, do we, it again. Yeah, we, we've not even mentioned Julio Rodriguez, who is a bona fide superstar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that's the highlight. He's the highlight of the team, but do I think he's going to lead the team again in, in stolen bases? Probably not. Well, no, I guess he, he especially know because you added some guys for speed, right? Like we mentioned, they added Colton Wong. Like there's guys on that team that you, you think are supposed to be doing that kind of stuff for this team. And I would rather not have Julio doing that. Like he, sure he can, but I'd rather him, I don't know. It's hard to say because, like, if he gets a single, why not have him still base? But, like, or if he walks or whatever. But, like, I don't know. I'd rather also 
like have him try to be aggressive at the plate and try to go for doubles and hit into the power alleys and that type of stuff. But, you know, to each their own. Like, there is such a will small ball with the shift changing and all that. Like, will that become so prevalent that a guy that can steal bases does and does to an extreme? That's a good point, too. I mean, he's one of the one of the best right-handed hitters in the game. And I mean, I don't have the stats on the shift, but is his year really going to be that different? Like where people shifting that much, usually they don't with a righty. So yeah, I can't that, imagine. That's a good his, point too. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine his average is going to go, is going to be that different while some of these lefties are going to be absurd. Their year to year averages are going to be 40 point differences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just but mean he, on the sense of like, if Colton Wong is getting into into scoring position, like, are you really trying to have Julio? I, it's just tough because, like, it is really, like, where he puts the ball and he has the skill to be able to do that sort of thing. But also, why not have him batting third and trying to, you know, get into the power alleys and and all that sort of stuff? I mean, obviously, it's, it's how their lineup is built and how they end up getting getting everything built together. Because you have guys like Ty France who've been, you know, hanging around in the majors for a little bit and like might be able to hit the bigger the bigger shots that you're hoping Julio does. But like, Julio is also the centerpiece of your team, so I don't know. There, there's a real like yin and yang to it of seeing how how you want to use him, and maybe the new rules let him be both both sides of the coin. I don't know. They're they're an interesting team. Yeah, they very um, much are. But I, to yeah, answer your original question, I think they're above 500. If they make the playoffs again, it's because the – it's weird because the AL East not having to play each other 19 times and how exciting there could be potential for some of those teams. Like, they might just be on the outside looking in because of the fact that there wasn't as much cannibalism within divisions, but like they also benefit from that by not having to play the Astros those extra six times. Yeah, but you can play devil's advocate and say, well, you don't get to play the athletics. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a really fair point. You can go back and forth with that. Yeah, um, it's it just this first year is going to tell us a lot about what the playing every team is going to really do for all 30 teams. Of the good of how well the good teams are going to do against it, and that's that's the interesting thing about this this twenty twenty three season. Yeah, and I wonder if they, you know, if baseball did look at the NBA's model in this way and the NHL and say this is what's fair, this is what the fans want to see, and that's why they made the move. Or did you see the reasons behind playing all all the teams? I haven't seen the specific reasons, but I can only imagine that it's you have been frequently criticized for not marketing your teams well and guys like a trout or an Otani or even the big market teams, like the teams that always draw well, like the Yankees with judge or the Red Sox just in general, like that they don't go to every park or they don't play every team. I would assume it's something along those lines of, Oh, my team who's, on pace to lose 95 games is going to play Mike Trout today. Okay. I, I might watch and tune in to see Mike Trout 
on my local regional broadcast kind of thing. In, instead of watching Jose Altuve beat you for another time, like, yeah, even if exactly. there are superstars playing against you, you've seen them so many times. So that's, yeah, that's a pretty good point. And baseball got to catch up. This is probably a Theo Epstein uh, brainchild here, right? Oh, this is a good way to get the ratings up. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, How well, long he's been in this position for a while, right? Like at least four or five years now. That sounds about right. Something like that. And what he and left the finally, Cubs. Did he leave the Cubs before they won the World Series or right after? Right. It had to be right after. It had to be right after. Yeah. But anyway, last team to cover the Texas Rangers. Jake, this is a team that I love to hate on. And I don't want to continuously hate on them. Do you have anything positive to say about the Texas Rangers before we really? Can I ask them? you? Can I ask you why you love to hate on the Rangers? I mean, they're not hurting anybody. Maybe it's because they share a name with a different team that I really <laughs> despise. Maybe it's not because they signed Jacob Degrom. I know that because I've loved to hate on them before uh, earlier this earlier this off season, but. Um, I don't know. It's just a team that, like, they make these moves to sign different dudes that are names. They sign names that you're excited to see what a Corey Seager can do on the Rangers. You're excited to see what a Marcus Simeon can do on the Rangers. They're this team that, like, even looking at the fucking projections on fan graphs, five players hitting 20, 20 home runs, and yet... This team is is also projected in the same bullshit projections to be in the middle of the pack winning 83, 83 games. What the fuck are you doing, Fangraphs? This team won 68 games play. last year. And what? They added they added, they added anybody. DeGrom. They added Jacob DeGrom. Like like you can say this better than anybody. Jacob DeGrom doesn't win games. He needs no, good running, run support behind him. And maybe you're saying, oh, he finally has run support behind him because he is Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Nathan Lau who might hit a ton of home runs. No, well, what are we doing here? This team is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. I, you're, I'm looking at, like, they do have some great names, though. I love Avaldi, John Gray back in the day, Heaney, that weird windup. Back in the day for, what, two days? Back in the day for, you're saying... Heaney's been in the league for a while. Oh, right? Andrew Heaney's been he's he's been around the block a couple times. I'm saying John Gray, John Gray for John Gray. Yeah, for, what, was for the two, two days ago. that the Rockies made the playoffs as a wild card team and lost to the fucking Diamondbacks. Great, good for him. He was, a, he was the third overall pick. He was, you know, what he's one of these guys that like somewhat lived up to projections. Somewhat, I mean. Better than uh Nate your buddy was an 11th round pick in the three in the 300s. He has had a much better career. Mm. Degrom was 272nd. Oh, for sure. I mean, but if you look at, I mean, baseball drafts are are kind of worthless in that way. They very much are. Um, Which it kind of makes me feel better about the oh the Phillies could have got Mike Trout in 2011, like the. Jake McGraw, ninth round pick. Okay, everybody shut the fuck up. Like, also, how ninth round, 272nd pick makes sense. Because what? 200. 
It should be the 270th would be the last pick of the ninth round. How many commissary picks are we giving out in baseball? Yeah, they, they do have the craziest rules, right? Like pretty much every every free agent that leaves gets some sort of pick. Something like that. It's they, they got the craziest one. And they don't dock people for some reason. Like, I feel like you see that NBA. The NFL. Football. Yeah, the NFL, they, they're, they're basically like, you didn't agree to a pick swap, but we're going to swap your picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And, I mean, I'm, Clint Frazier's another one that he's bounced around now. He's gotten hype everywhere he's gone. Um, I, I don't even know. How did he end up on the Rangers now? Is this a free agent signing or did he get traded? Um, uh, I'm trying to see if they even have where his – Oh, he didn't make the roster anyways. Oh, yeah, he didn't make the roster, I don't think. At least he's not on the projected roster. So he must be a he must be a non uh non roster invite type of deal. So you but you love to hate on the Texas Rangers. I don't know, they're just a team that like I don't know, they had a couple good years at the start of the two thousand tens. Like they're a team like we talked about this with the Royals of a team that has always sucked. And the Royals at least won the pennant twice. They won a World Series. Yeah. I the Rangers won the pennant that. twice and didn't win the World Series. Yeah, I, I did not mean to ricochet that to the Mets. I was just <laughs> pointing out a fact. Um, the Rangers, though, the, they won the pennant twice. They were a strike away. They fuck it up because of some Morton Steakhouse signing that the Cardinals found. And, you know, their team that that's and I know it's not because they've made the playoffs other times. And in those other times they've made the playoffs, they've been the most bullshit division winner of all time. The 2000, I think it's 2016. They made the playoffs as the AL West champion. They might have even been the first seed in the AL because the Astros were still tanking. The Angels couldn't figure it out. Maybe Mike Trout was hurt. The A's stunk because they traded everybody to try to go forward in 2014. And, like, the the Rangers were, like, they had this crazy... I remember I was not gambling at that point, but I was so convinced the Blue Jays were going to beat them. And they the Blue Jays did because they lost the the then-Indians, now-Guardians, in the ALCS. But the... Rangers had like a 30 and five one run game record. So yeah, that's not sustainable. Right? You can't do that. And their run differential for the entire season was like plus 20 as the number one seed in the AL. And I had to have written a blog for the Thunder blog of saying this team's not that good. They have an absolutely unsustainable type of type of run they are not to be trusted. And I ended up being right. Like it was a real, like whatever, trying to be edgy type of take that I ended up being right about. So maybe that's where it stems from too. But like, I don't know. This team just like, they're trying, they built globe life park, which was the MLB's darling during the bubble and all that shit. And I don't know, like just, there's a lot of shit that just is annoying about this team. And like, you think that picking up Simeon and Seager makes you that good. 
you want to score a ton of runs. That's really great. Like a year ago, your run differential was what? It was minus 36. So adding Jacob deGrom, who doesn't let up a ton of runs, like is going to fix that? You're like, you're like, I, I just, I don't know what to make of this team. And it just, they bother me. I don't know what it is. It's just a lot of, like, I think I'm taking crazy pills type of takes that I'm not articulating very well, but. So, so you looked at you looked at the Mariners. You said, "Okay, um, you know, call it Fangraphs has them at 85 wins. They had 90 last year, 16 behind the Astros. That's not uh, unrealistic." But you look at a projection here. What do you say, 84? What are they 83 at? 83 wins for this year. 83 wins, and and just call them bullshit right away. It seems like bullshit. If they're above 500, which also Fangraphs, if you load it up. And maybe it's because the, the Rockies, Reds, and Nationals are supposed to be really bad. And the and the Athletics, too. But, like, because of that, it somehow all adds up to a net zero. What, like, what are we doing here? I, I don't know. Like, are you really telling me that adding Jacob deGrom is making your run differential 50 runs better? That seems like a lot. It seems, it seems like, like a, little... a lot, a lot. Like and you're you're saying they're also projecting a little bit less runs scored for this team because what because all these players that you added a year ago got a year older like what are we doing here like it's a starting pitcher who's very good and I'm not trying to like take anything away from Degrom because I you know because he pitched for the Mets and I'm a Phillies fan and all that kind of stuff like he's a very good pitcher. I hope he pitches the entire year. I'm not trying to be like disingenuous in any regard to that way. But the rest of their rotation and their bullpen is not good. So if we're really going to sit here and say every five days they're going to win a game, great. You just won 35 games. Like, where are we building out these 50-something other games or 49 other games that that we're projecting on this. And I would gladly be wrong because this is a team like it's the same thing with the twins of like, you're just going to add a bunch of dudes and hope it works out. That's what annoys me about this team. What else are they supposed to do? Right. How, how would you fix the Texas Rangers is a good question. I mean, impressive that they got to Grom. Yes. I find that I try to see the positives and then say, yeah, it's impressive. I don't really have too much of a problem with them. Um, you know, they have a cool ballpark. They get great. I think their fans are, I didn't think Houston or Texas had great fans. And then it seemed like during COVID or after COVID, they had some pretty good attendance numbers. Um, I, I wouldn't say they, they bother me. I'm a big Marcus Simeon fan too. He bounces around. And he always seems to get better somehow. Sure. That's um, so, you know, he's a likable guy. He's uh, cool. I, I, I'm looking at John Gray right now. I'm telling you. Gee, I'm, I'm going to put some money on plus whatever it's going to be, 30000 or something for Cy Young. Call this <laughs> I wish you the best of luck in that. <laughs> that is... Easy, easy way to lose some... Uh, easiest way to lose 100 bucks right there. Or... I mean, or. You, you guys got Verlander, so he's out of the AL. So, could be wide open. Exactly. Just forget about 
some of the pitchers in the AL Central. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's going to have to play well. I mean, it's, it could be a little crazy, but you never know. New rules, and he's he's got to pitch fast. Want to see? Uh, Want to see what happens? <laughs> but um, you got to you got to think as well. Like last part is for for his years in Colorado, and and his numbers didn't get too much better last year. I guess they were not career best by any means, but he did play in Colorado. I think any pitcher in Colorado, if you can make it out of there, like you should have a little more confidence going anywhere else. I guess so. So he, you know, he did have a year that obviously had a year in Texas last year playing for them, but I mean, I just, I got to look at a guy like that and say, he's 91. This is the year 31. This is the year he turns it around. He figures it out. This is it, yeah. This is it. You know, physically, mentally, it all comes together. Oh, crazy stuff. Well, let's go into projections. List list out to me your uh, AL West. AL West. I am going to go Houston, Angels, Seattle, Rangers, A's. Okay, flip uh, Seattle and the Angels for me. So Houston, Seattle, Angels, Rangers, uh, A's. A's at the bottom. So you're just switching the two and three. I'm switching the two and three. I uh, it's recency bias, but Seattle is uh, they're a fun team to watch, and I like they are fun. a fun team to watch. I I agree with that. You kind of want them to do well, but they're yeah, they're exactly. a fun. Team. Yeah, you want you want the fun teams to do well. We have some breaking news, completely different sport. Houston lost to Miami. This will be the first Elite Eight without a one seed ever in the history of the NCAA tournament. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. That is is wild. And it's in Houston, too. It's in Houston. Wow. And, wow. I mean... The funny thing, just instant reaction of someone who had three one seats in the final four. Um, I even knew going into the tournament, this is a it absolutely insane, insane tournament. No one's actually that good. I still pick three three one seats to go to the final four. <laughs> but when you think about that, you say, I don't even know who's good. I'm just going to pick the best teams, maybe according to Vegas or according to people that that know uh, supposedly know college basketball. Yeah, uh, and then it just blows up in your face. I, this is probably the future of college basketball, just parody, right? The best be guy. Fun. It's it's fun. It is. I mean, it's it makes it unpredictable. It makes it uh, you don't have just the blue bloods walking their way through the tournament anymore, and like you actually have to recruit every year. And um, I'm, I, I think college basketball is more exciting than ever. I mean, Princeton. Don't really want to give a score update right now, but having a school like Princeton or um, who else made a run? FDU, like schools that that shouldn't be making a run, doing that is fun. It's good for the sport. Yeah, the uh, the Princeton update, not great. A lot it's of time. Least, it's at least a a smidgen better than the Texas Xavier update. Uh, yeah, by one point. As a wild as a wild card, 
Ivy League is the wild card conference. As a uh, uh, Ivy League graduate, are you excited for Princeton? Or are you like could have been absolutely? Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Absolutely brings notoriety to the to the conference. Oh wait, that's that's an I, Ivy League. I've not dared ask any of my friends and family that have gone to Penn of their opinions of Princeton doing well because I know the answer and it's fuck off. Really? Well, I mean, Penn's like a a good team, right? Like they can get to the tournament yeah. as a well. Penn Princeton. That's the big football rivalry. Is what I was taught as a child. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But so um, yeah, I guess. You know, but yeah, I'd like to see him go through. Although Creighton beating Princeton follows the me and Emily formula of bird schools over cat schools. So, <laughs> well, you. Yeah. I wish you told me that before this for the game well a lot of the cat schools did pretty well and i one of the my only remaining final four team is is a cat school so uh i don't always follow it so let me get this straight though let me get this straight somehow some way lafayette makes it to the final four like they go into the tour you're not rooting for them whatsoever you're saying oh fuck Really? Mimi claimed she she was rooting for Lehigh against Duke. And they were all excited. The whole Lafayette women's lacrosse team was excited that Lehigh beat Duke. I, no. There's no way. Them, or Colgate, like people were trying to have, Colgate is the trendy 15 over 2. Fuck Colgate. Fuck Bucknell. Fuck Lafayette. Obviously fuck Lafayette. I'm not rooting for those those assholes. Maybe Holy Cross. Maybe Loyola because they're new. I didn't have to face the. Well, I didn't. We I didn't have to face them because we for club hockey didn't have. We were in the Patriot League. That wasn't a thing. We faced various uh, Penn State satellite campuses and small colleges in Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, f- yeah, fuck them. Fuck all them. You know, maybe the only one that maybe you can loop in is rooting for BU and like the Frozen Four or the Bean Pot. Of like, yeah, Patriot League. And it, but that's the same thing of like, BU wasn't in the Patriot League when I was there. So it's like, they didn't do anything to me. That's true. That's true. Okay, I see it. But no, I, I answer your question simply. I think any Ivy League team brings notoriety, um, shows that we can somewhat compete. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool. And I mean, fuck, Brown was, Brown's, by the way, like, the perennial, like for those of you who don't follow the Ivy League basketball scene, Brown pretty much the last five years has come in fifth place. So okay. they don't make it into the Ivy League tournament. And then every year, pretty much, I think for, I don't know, last like four out of five or three out of five, Ivy League team has won their first game. So like, could you imagine if that was your school? I know you've seen it before. You've seen your school like good and been able to root for them with some team spirit. Pretty fun. That's pretty never fun. happened. I've yeah. never seen that, and and that would be pretty cool. It was – so remain it, March 16, 2012, one of the best nights of my life, which will probably be topped in a, in a couple weeks here, but uh, pretty incredible weekend. You had two weddings. What do you – I did have two weddings. That's that's a good point, too. Emily, tune out, tune out, tune out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Lee had beat Duke right into St. Patrick's Day. Slept for four That's hours cool. within those 48 hours. Pretty incredible. Pretty tough to beat that, but Pretty yeah, you got something to beat, beat that. Something yeah. big coming two, up. Too. Two weddings, no divorces. My first kid's coming up. Yeah. Uh, 
That that got a, that got unseated pretty quickly. But Jake, thank you for coming on, man. This was a blast. We'll have, we will have you on during the regular season. It'll be fun. Maybe a Phillies Mets instant reaction when you guys win two out of three, but somehow don't advance as far as the Phillies. So uh, we'll talk about that. Thanks for having me on, G. And I will uh, personally sponsor the show next year with my John Gray money. <laughs> I love that. Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have uh, some good shows coming up next week. And for Jake Goldberg, I am Jordy Cannell, JJ and the G-Man, rocking the weekend. Have a good one and go Phils.